We here at the Dub Talk Podcast would like to remind you that this is not the feature film Goodbye Don Glees. Rather, this is a podcast centered around the film and its English dub. If you would like to watch this film, it's available for DVD and Blu-ray courtesy of G-Kids and is being sold wherever Blu-rays and DVDs for anime are sold. Please support the official release. Thank you. Warning. The Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There will also be spoilers for various anime throughout the course of this episode. Please proceed with caution in case we discuss a series you've yet to finish. Finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Dub Talk, where we talk about the latest and greatest in anime and English dubs. Hello everybody, hope you're all having a good day. My name is Andrew, and joining me today is my friend Megan. Ring, 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 banana phone. Boop, boop, ba-doop, ba-doop. So, as you all are aware, it is another summer. Another summer just like any other. And the sun is out to murder us. That it is. So yes, it is still season seven of Summer at the Movies. We've been doing this for seven goddamn years. That in itself is pretty, pretty wild. So we've actually all been locked in one movie theater for the last seven years. We haven't seen our families. You can't disprove that we haven't been in the same movie theater for seven goddamn years. This is There's something in the men's room and it blinked at me. Okay. So, this isn't even our first Summer of the Movies episode. We had previously worked together on Makui a few years ago, if I remember correctly. It's probably one of the best episodes we've ever put out. That was a wild one. So, glad to be back with you again for another summer. But this time, we're taking a summer down memory lane. Where things were simpler, times were easier... And also, you had to try and go fetch a drone from the unforgiving wilderness. But at least nobody buttered your cat. At least nobody buttered your cat. So, today we are here to discuss the English dub and feature film of Goodbye Donglis, the next project from the director and team at Madhouse that previously worked on A Place Further Than the Universe. Which, when this movie was first announced to be getting an English dub, at the time there was no news or anything about A Place Further Than the Universe getting an English dub. I remember really being intrigued by the pedigree because I was a big fan of that team. And I was like, yay, we could actually talk about something for dub talk regarding... uh, Miss Ichizuka's work. And they have since announced an English dub for A Place Further Than the Universe 2. And uh, we still have no news on when we're going to get those boxes. Uh, 
Coincidentally, I, was... I think the, the DVD production is actually traveling to Antarctica to print the DVDs. You can't disprove that until it comes out. So, you know what? I'm going to operate under the assumption that is that is what the holdup is. <laughs> the penguins are working up to the bone. Oh my god. Pingu hasn't seen his he hasn't seen the city in 3 weeks. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Think of the new new. I was watching the special features of this and uh Atsuko was literally saying, I don't even like cold places that much. I prefer warmer environments. But I've done exactly two projects now where the final destination is a colder environment and location. It was just kind of on pure coincidence. I mean, to be fair, could you imagine if she wrote an anime about a bunch of kids and their mythical adventure was in, like, the Florida Everglades? So... To give a brief synopsis about what Goodbye Don Glee is about. Teen misfits Rona, Toto, and Drop call themselves the Don Glees, an informal name for their backyard adventures. One day, when the trio gets blamed for a nearby forest fire, they set off into the woods to prove their innocence. As wow. As disaster strikes their expedition, tensions flare between the friends as they realize that growing up has taken them on wildly different paths in life. Also, it's worth pointing out, yes, this is anime Stand By Me. They know this, you know this, that is very critical to what they were going for. And it is- Shit, have I ever seen Stand By Me? I've never seen it to completion, but I'm at least familiar enough with what Stand By Me is going for as a story. The good news is nobody's dead. Oh, I realized this sooner. <laughs> I was like, are you excuse me? <laughs> Ooh, wow. Andrew. Wow. Okay. Look. Andrew, we watched this movie today. I literally have seen this movie twice. I'm like, hey, look, there's no dead body. There's, we don't see a corpse. We don't see a corpse. The goal is not to poke a, is to poke a body with a stick. Andrew, Andrew is literally like, Andrew's like literally watching an Itsuka project. Oh, yes, yeah, somebody they love isn't dead. I can finally leave. Goes into goodbye, Don Gleese. I'm back in the fucking building again. Uh, I will try not to quote that entire band up in this episode, I promise. I'm not sure what we're going to be delivering to you tonight, people. I just uh, know that Not this Drops is... Corpse. Uh, obvi so, obviously, goes without saying, spoiler warnings for the entirety of Goodbye Dawn Glees. There's a disclaimer at the beginning of this video for a reason. There certainly is. You've okay. Look, look, look. Longtime viewers, you look at me. I look at you. You look at me. I look at you. You know, there's a. You know, there's a spoiler warning. You know that we're gonna spoil things. You know that one of us is probably going to say something morally questionable that may or may not end you in hell. You have still willingly either kept watching us or are actually giving us money to do it. You've done it to yourself. To which we will thank our lovely patrons at the end of tonight's episode. But before that, 
I'd like to talk about the team that actually worked on the behind the scenes of this English dub. So, starting us off, uh, we will be talking about the ADR directors and scriptwriter. Uh, this was a movie that G Kids picked up to license and distribute in theaters and home video. And one of their regular partners, actually probably their most consistent partner, is NYAV Post. Mm -hmm. This was done at NYAV Post and was directed by Laura Stahl with assistance from Jeremy Lay and Stephanie Shea. And the script was written by Chris Neosi. Laura Stahl has directed for anime such as Boongo and Alchemist, Gears of Judgment, Dropout Idol Fruit Tart, and Number 24. Jeremy has directed for anime such as Kotaro Lives Alone, Last Hope, and Summer Ghosts. And Stephanie Shea, who is both the director and casting director of this project, has directed anime such as Bell, Ride Your Wave, and A Silent Voice. Chris Neosi has written for projects such as A Mime, Warrior at the Borderline, Kingdom Season 3, and Berserk, The Golden Age Arc, The Memorial TV Edition. So, I... I'm curious of what your general thoughts about this dub are, especially because this is a this is an ensemble cast, but this is an ensemble cast basically being held up almost exclusively by three different people. people. Yeah, it's this is this is like like I'll get out of the way. The wall of work is fine. Um, it does the job. They it, do good it, stuff. It, it, it's wall of work. Uh, this is a dub that is going to, that basically gets to live or die on the performances of the main three male characters in this. Even though we're talking about four characters, I think, overall in the, in the entire group, one of them literally exists more as a plot device to Roma's character development more than she's, you know, her own actual person. Um... And I think that this dub does a really good job having three really well-cast leads. I don't think this is necessarily one of G-Kid's standout dubs, in a sense. Like, it's a good dub, it's really good, but it's not like... I don't want to say this being rude. It's not maybe something on the level... I don't think the quality level's on... As high as, say, like, something like Makia or... Makia was 11 Arts, not G-Kids or NYAV Post, I think. was Makia it, was NYAV Post, though, right? Makia was NYAV Post. Post it was licensed by, by a different company. Arts. Yes. But um, I don't think it's as high as, like, maybe that, A Silent Voice, or, like, Bell. But Bell's, a, Bell's an exception to that rule because of how high profile it was. I... I think I'm also of the general opinion that it's really hard for me to find a dub that this particular studio works on and think it is a bad one. Oh yeah, no, this is not a bad dub. It's just very much, I think, lost in their greater catalog of what they've dubbed and what they've worked on. And I think that in general, this movie also is too. I think a lot of people, it came out and then I don't think it got a very wide theatrical release, did it? I didn't manage to actually get to go see this. I think it was only in theaters maybe for like two days. Yeah, which... so this is, this is a, and that's just a general thing to more complain about to the industry is that a lot of anime movies don't stay in theaters really long unless your name is My Hero Academia, Demon Slayer, or Dragon Ball Z. 
I, I think there are very select, like, original films that do get to stay longer. Like, Bell, but it's like, like your Hasodas and your, uh, Yuasa. Shinkai. Shinkai and maybe kind of sort of Yuasa. I think Inuo had a semi-decent release. But I will, I'm on the Inuo episode, which I can, I can say that, so we will probably go over that then. But, uh, a lot of, just, just in general, a lot of anime movies, one- they don't stay in theaters very long. Two, a lot of them are usually relegated to home video only or digital purchase only. And a lot of G-Kids library isn't streaming on, say, a... A lot of... Uh, some of their stuff isn't streaming on, say, like, a Netflix or a CR or a... I would say even Amazon Prime or, like... I'd say HBO Max, but nothing should... Or, I'm sorry now. Just Max. Oh, Just Max. Just Max. I don't want to... I don't want to hurt Zazzy Wazzy's special boy feelings. Um, I I, I don't want anything to go there because, frankly, shit's going to go on there and get written off for tax purposes. Rest in peace, I'm going to assume the night is short walk-on girl dub. Can somebody please just just put that on a disc? Please? But... So, like I said, I think this gets kind of lost in NYAV Post's greater library and stuff. And this isn't a really, this isn't a bad dub. It's actually a really great dub for getting across what the material is. And I would say the only flaws and weaknesses I have maybe in in the dub itself is just material weakness from the film itself. Which is, I really enjoyed this movie. I wish this was a 12 episode anime. I think Um, that's, I think that's completely fair. But I also, like. I love, like, I just want to preface this. A Place for the Universe is one of my favorite anime of all time. It's easily in my top ten, and I try to watch it once a year. It's like, kind of that general, th- that feeling like... like oh, I do not watch a lot of anime, like, specifically sit out and watch it once a year just to feel something. Like, I would do that with Fruits of Basket 2019, but it's 75 episodes long. Um, also, you only have so many tissues in, in your house at one given time. I only have so many tissues, and I, I can only raid in Final Fantasy fourteen so many times, like, at certain times a day and not deal with the hell queue or getting stuck in fucking Crystal Tower raids. Um, but I I do really like this, and I, I generally want to say, like, I actually like a lot of Laura Stahl's direction. Um, I I really loved Boongo and Alchemist's dub. I, I thought that was a ton of fun in the show, and I thought it was very innovative, innovative in its casting um, and stuff. And I think the I will say that I think the writing of this movie too has a lot of heart. So I'm going to give Chris Neosi a lot of compliments there. I don't think it's it, it it very much felt like teenagers, but never really went into a place with them that made it feel out of the emotional sorts that this film was going for. Because this is, again, a film that's very emotional. It's very much not only tied to how well the lead three actors are acting, but how much their performances can get you invested in the emotionality of the film. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, man. You're good. So I think this is... I've been a big fan of Laura Stahl's work for several years now, I say. Welcome to Demon School Irmacoon. Please watch Welcome to Demon School Irmacoon. I'm just going to throw three copies of a Blu-ray at you. You should watch Welcome to Demon School Irmacoon. Sorry, got that out of the way early. I'm a big fan of a lot of uh, Laura's acting and even a lot of the writing stuff that Laura's done. But I think this is my first real exposure to... A project she's directed, including in, like, such a big capacity as this one. So, 
this one was get interesting getting to see this as well as obviously the high bar and pedigree that I am a huge fan of the team that made Goodbye Dawn Glees from their previous work being probably one of the strongest anime I've ever seen. In some ways a high bar, but I was also really excited to see them take on a new project with a new identity and see what they could do with it. Mm-hmm. And I will compliment Laura and her team and say what was going to make or break this dub was going to be how much I could buy the chemistry between the main characters. And that could be tricky sometimes, especially when you're working with dubbing and you only have so many lip flaps and you only have so many, like, things you can really put in at any given time. <laughs> and I think it is genuinely impressive of how much the chemistry of these characters comes through, shines through, and I've just... I'm just enamored with these three boys going on this summer journey just to try and remember something before it's gone in a glimmer. (laughs) And honestly, yeah, no, I think more than anything, the strength of the main cast of characters, as well as just, yeah, the writing never felt too... The writing never felt too corny or like it was shoehorning in uh, how-do-you-do-fellow-kid-isms. Like, it was like, no, I believe these are kids acting like kids, or... I, th- I think they specifically emphasize the fact that they are 15, which is basically, from Except my understanding... Except for Toto, who is 16, and he wants to right. make sure you remember he's 16. Where it's basically just kind of the boundary of right as you are leaving junior high and about to start high school. So it's kind of like, the basically... You are... You have long since been decommissioned by the kids next door, but you still feel that glimmer of nostalgia of what was there, even if that's no longer there. I'm not sure why I went to the kids next door. I was like, why did you, like, getting decommissioned by the kids next door? That means their memories get erased, man. Don't you remember that? I know, I know. Mendes isn't even in this fucking shit, this fucking movie. I, I know, I know. I, I was trying to go for the metaphor, and it's like they're God, 15, but not- I'm gonna have to make a not... fucking goodbye, Don Glees. Kids Next Door title, and I don't have the brain cells to do it tonight. Oh, dude, do not. Do not. That one is too much work. That's like... 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. That is 15. Do not do that How to yourself. How long was Boongo Stray Dogs was like that long, too? That was... Oh, but wow, this, was movie, what... this movie has 15 letters. <laughs> Fancy that. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Where was I go? Son of a bitch! It's all connected! Where was I go? Alright, so it's basically... It is the border between... What is effectively... Innocent... What is basically adolescence and adulthood before you really hit the high school stressors and all that. And it is basically... Letting go of that childishness and embracing what is what is supposed to be maturity because that's what you think people want or what should happen. And this movie is more or less about seeking something so much more outside of the life you think, think you, you have or think you should deserve. Yeah, and I think it is. It does a really good job at all of that. More more than anything. I came into this with high expectations, and especially the fact that I really wanted to see a dub from 
this particular creative team. <laughs> and honestly, I think Laura Stahl and her team absolutely nailed exactly what this dub needed to be and executed it pretty goddamn well. And with that, I think I'm ready to finally talk about our main players of this film. There are exactly four characters. We will talk about one briefly, but it is mostly about our main three boys. So, starting off, uh, Chiburi Uriyasu, a.k.a. Tivoli. Uh, she is a student that went to school with Roma, and she eventually moved off to Ireland and then started traveling around the world, taking part in photography, and yeah. And then we get to the Dawn Glees themselves. Starting off with the most new member of the Dawn Glees, Shizuku Sakama, aka Drop. He is a little blonde boy who was used to live in Iceland and found himself back in the Japanese boonies and then befriended Rona. Hokuto Mitarai, aka Toto. He moved and went to school in the big city and got a big city blonde haircut, but is sort of dealing with the fact that he's struggling with what he wants versus what he thinks he should do. And then there's Roma Kamagawa, who is still holding down the fort of the Don Glees all these years later, and spends all of his savings... On a drone! Which, that doesn't work. It doesn't go great. But then it leads to them going on adventures to try and do something about that. And seeing a bear. And then they see a bear. And then they get sprayed in the face because they're trying to fend off the bear. That bear may or may not be a druid from <laughs> from Baldur's Gate 3. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Shut the fuck up. He's just trying to find his boyfriend, man. Okay, this one I actually feel I need to uh, give context. Okay, friends. So Baldur's Gate 3 is a game that's coming out, that's being made, and a lot of D&D people are very excited about it. So you can fuck a druid, and by fuck a druid, I mean you can have sex with a druid that transforms into a bear. Taking being into bears to a whole new level. It, it is taking being into bears to a whole other level. If you I, ever... I want to say I think I think the, the thing is that he only turns into it because he asks you how we want him. And if you say, I want you wild and free, that's what he does. You okay over there? I figured wild and free I, would be something more like a free willy type situation, depending on who you ask. But all right. Bears, sure. Okay. Anyways, this movie is rated PG, by the way. <laughs> so if a girl free willies you, is it just her, like, going from one side of the bed over the other while you're naked and hoping that she lands on your dick? Playing the role of <laughs> Tivoli is one Victoria Grace, who has played characters such as the older Mirai in Mirai, Elf from Uncle from Another World, and Miyuki from Tokyo Godfathers. Uh, Drop is played by Jonathan Leon, who has played characters such as Minato in Scar and the Praetor, Kazushi Yamagishi from Tokyo Revengers, 
and Maru from Heavenly Delusions. No, I'm not going to call it Tengoku Daimakio. I don't care. Denpa, Denpa localizes Heavenly Delusions first. I'm using their call. I'm y- fuck you, it, Mouse. Fuck you, Mouse. Fuck you, uh, Charles. What? What? How does it go? Michael Mouse. Michael Mouse. I don't care what you say, Michael. A powerful Mouse. rat named Charles Entertainment Cheese. That is exactly what. Michael going for. Entertainment Mouse. Uh, Toto is being played by Nick Wolfhard, who has played characters such as Shun Midorikawa in World Trigger, Yugo Nansui in Beyblade Burst, and Alfred in Fire Emblem Engage. Ah, uh, yes, Diet Dimitri. He is very much Diet Dimitri. I don't think they're going to pretend like it's not. But he's a, he's a he good needs, boy. He needs some meat on that bone. Hmm. Speaking of eating meat... Um, Adam MacArthur is playing Roma, who has played characters like Ricky and Patrick in Shadow's House, Chifuyu Matsuno in Tokyo Avengers, and Yuji Itadori, aka the number one finger food extraordinaire in Jujutsu Kaisen. If that man's into finger food, why is he going after Jennifer Aniston? Jennifer, fuck. That's not even the woman he wants. You're thinking of Jennifer Lawrence, you ignorant <laughs> slut. I got the wrong fucking white girl. (laughs) And I'm white. (sighs) Jennifer Lawrence doesn't have that much of an ass, man. God. God. Yuji's his name? Uh, Yuji Itadori, yes. Yuji. Yuji. It's just... We're gonna put... We're gonna put Don Gleese in a little box for a second. Yuji, my boy. My brother. My brother in uh, Kami. Um... We're going to sit down and talk to you about ass. Uh, as somebody with an ass flatter than Hank Hill, um, I think I should know what actual ass looks like. Um, you need to start going after, like, you want Megan DeSalian and Lizzo for dinner. Go that way. Anyway, back to Don Gleese. Um, uh, uh, hang on, hang on. No, I need to hold that thought for a second. Well, I. I'm literally just imagining Yuji Itadori, where it's just like, "Hi, I, I want a thick woman with a with a big ass," and then just Lizzo says, "Hi," gets scared, runs away. Lizzo comes back out with a flute to to the room back in. I'm not even trying to like insult Yuji here. I just think that's a funny image in and of itself. Could now you we can get- no. Could you? Here's another thing with Jujutsu Kaisen. Do you think Gojo would listen to Lizzo? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Gojo's in, Gojo's literally in his box singing. It's about Li- Gojo coming out of his box singing. It's about damn time. Anyway, back to Donglees. Donglees. All right. So uh, we could definitely go into uh, Tivoli first, very briefly, and then. Oh, I was gonna can... make one really bad joke first. Shoot. Is his nickname Drop because he drops dead in the movie? I, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> this. Fucking, what a fucking shitty nickname for the character that dies. We're gonna call you Drop. Why? Because you're gonna be dropping off the face of this planet. Ugh. Uh, so yeah, Victoria Grace does a good job as Tivoli. Uh, unfortunately, Tivoli is less of an actual character and more of a plot device. 
I um, think she she's good at what I think she's good at what she's what they're trying to go for, but I think it is very much you when you were talking about like this would work better as a TV series. I feel like Tivoli is definitely the character that I think is most affected yeah, by the fact that's why that it's I say that time. it's I honestly wish that there was more to Tivoli and I'll get to drop when I get to drop. Like I feel like she's kind of like like the end of the movie sets her up for something. That's why, like, the last shot of the movie, of all things, is kind of on her. Like, what? The, well, not the last shot, but, like, the second to, like, I, I know what you're going for, yeah. The, the sweeping her. camera shot. Yeah, and, like, I'm like, why? I get she is, quote-unquote, Roma's treasure, or at least her picture, and the fact that she he inspired her because he was having fun for once, but... I, even then, I think Victoria does a good job playing her as, like, kind of this a little bit more mature and worldly, but cute in the little moments that we see her. And I did enjoy, like, what she, she did. Like, I get the impression that she is very much kind of a little bit of a weirdo, but she is somebody who's... I think I think what they're going for is that compared to Roma, in that he almost has no sights outside of the town and he has no real driving goal or aspiration outside of just the little farm town Mm -hmm. that she herself has kind of already like has the goals and aspirations and is effectively shooting outside is effectively shooting outside of what the camera is focusing on and going instead of doing that focusing on the little things that's would be go unnoticed and is already looking beyond the borders of the picture. I think that's what they're trying to go for her. Yeah. I think there's enough conveyed there as far as what they're going with for her as a character, but I do agree that she does not get as much meat to bring to the table. Yeah. But I do I do like Victoria Grace. I, I do really like all the stuff I've heard of her. And for what we do get of Tivoli, I think she does a really good job and sounds pretty good as Tivoli, all things considered. Mm-hmm. So we could kind of just talk about all of the Dawn Glees together and go from there. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about, of the three, which was the one that I think resonated with you the most? Or, like, which one Honestly, really... Honestly, probably Roma, just thinking about things. Like... Okay. I just think, like, I think he's the easiest to kind of relate to, especially. To which, man, his parents really did name him after a type of tomato, didn't they? Oh my god, I didn't even get that. Oh my god. His name is... How much do you fucking hate your kid to name him after a fucking tomato brand? Tomato species? I don't know, but at least he's got some ambition. At least he's thinking of Yidrasil when the he names tree. a when he when names, he names a new type of cabbage. It was spinach, thank you. Even worse oh, than cabbage. Ugh. Fuck, fuck spinach. Cabbage is my homie. <laughs> um. Wow, see, Megan see. with the hot takes. <laughs> fuck spinach. <laughs> I don't like cooked spinach. Cooked spinach is fucking nasty. I think it definitely depends on the no, type of... No, all cooked spinach is disgusting. I hate spinach. There's only two types of good spinach. Spring mix for your salad, or mixed with God's knows amounts of cheese artich- and artichokes for spinach artichoke dip. 
You know what's funny? I've, I've had this discussion with people before, and it's like, I think there is something more volatile than anime hot takes, and it's food hot takes. I feel like I've been in a group of like 12 or 13 people where they're talking about anime, and they'll have some genuine disagreement where it's like, this they, they don't like this thing about a show, or this person actually was pretty favorable with that interpretation of the show, and it's relatively civil. If you, God forbid you ask if a hot dog is a sandwich. God forbid you ask if a hot dog is a sandwich, then those fucking revolvers come out of the table and you're having yourself a fucking Mexican standoff. Anyway, personally, I, if I was going to name something after a to show the world tree, it wouldn't be spinach, it'd be another type of green leaf, but that's illegal in Japan. Um, but, um... God, if you smoke some weed called World Tree, that better be the dankest shit in the goddamn world. I better be so high that the ghost of Bob Marley handshakes me himself. Um, but back to back to the film. Um, I guess I, I I'll start with Drop. I think because I think Drop's performance is my personal favorite. Though Roma is the character I think I related to the most. And I think it's because of how um, how Jonathan Leon really portrays Drop as being almost childlike in a sense, and yet wise beyond his years because he knows he's dying of terminal anime disease. I'm um, I'm extremely curious to know how <laughs> old Jonathan is. Terminal? I don't even know what to call what Drop has other than terminal anime disease. I think the assumption is that it is cancer. I think it is very much the assumption that it is going for because he himself is growing his hair out long because it's uh. been growing back. And that to me tells me he was in the cancer ward and he befriended people in the cancer ward. And yeah. the fact that both Rona and Toto are basically growing their hair out for lo- what is basic what is basically locks of love after after like he passes away i think no, it I is think cancer. He, i think they were growing it out and then he passed away because i remember i remember like it's that's like i guess like kind of like another complaint i have about the movie is the passage in time between the end of the adventure and when drop actually passes away is a little inc- is a little unclear. It's it's unclear, and I think the thing is that um, Drop probably went back to the hospital, like he took a turn for the worse after the thing, because I think he was still alive when Roma got the pictures take printed, and then uh, it was in like when their hair was long enough. That's when he died, and they cut it all off before they go to Iceland. But Jonathan really does capture this almost childlike wonder that Roma ha- that Drop has, but also that like sense of world weariness and knowing, because of all things, I really like how he kind of brings Toto and Roma back together to being as close as they are, because it starts to feel like that genuine thing that you see in a lot of anime, where because one of them left and one of them. One of them stays behind and one of them leaves there. Like, they're kind of drifting apart. There's this, like, awkward... they're starting to drift apart as as friends. 
and maybe like, wondering if the things that they did were still like it's it's one of those things where like when you when you're that age and you look how look how you were when you're younger it you're like bro that's cringe but when you're like 15 years out from it you're like I was cringe but I was free that that is basically god that is that sounds so crude, but you are so on the money with that is the conflict sometimes, between... Sometimes, listen, man, I may have a degree in humanities, but sometimes to get the point across, you need to be crude as shit with people. Like, no offense, like, out there, like, some people, like, I, I genuinely, like, do apologize for people who watch the show, uh, watch our podcast, and are like, wow, she curses and she swears a lot, and, and uh, she's so gross and she's so nasty and stuff. It's like... Like, I can flower up my words all I want, and trust me, I have. I've done that for enough papers in my life, and I do that at work. Sometimes people do not get what you're going for these days, unless you are as blunt as a brick to the forehead. So, yes. In, um, the, case, in the case of Toto and Roma, Toto thinks that the Don Gleese is cringe. cringe. Roma thinks that it's still cool. And, and, and that is and, the conflict. And drop has to be that bridge between them. And so it's like, I feel like that's one of the other things I actually kind of do really want to compliment that for this is that I think under a lot of other terms, uh, if it was written by a, a certain uh, visual novel musician guy who works with a certain studio, um, drop would be a girl and die horribly in one of their arms. Uh, if you know what I'm catching my drift. Um if not, oh, you'll learn okay. when you're older. You'll okay. learn when you're older. Um, and I think that these there's just these moments where where he, he when you're you're acting as drop, Jonathan Leon, um you're you're going from being this dumb fifteen year old kid to like the baby Yoda to like tiny Yoda man, where it's like He's he's got to balance this in his voice. This this genuine sense of of childish wonder, and yet being this all knowing, bridging figure who is forcing these two to go on an adventure with him, because his treasure is literally, as we find out, him him pulling a all according to Keikaku in the most wholesome way possible. I I, I will we will get to that, but I do adore which, everything about which, that. Which I I think is 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 very sweet on a character level. I think that is very sweet on an actual writing and hinging your entire film off it level. I have some questions. Um, I, it that's, it works it, for it, me, but it, I can see it being a suspension of disbelief thing. See, my thing is it that would work for me if this was a TV show and we got more. That's another thing I will complain about is if this is a TV show, I feel like I would be a little bit more attached to drop. Just knowing, like, some of his backstory and why he was... First of all, one, why and how if he was so sick. Um, it's just the little things. But I really like the performance a ton. I think that for an actor I'm not super familiar with, Jonathan does a really great job. I, I think and my yes, biggest... I will watch fucking Heavenly Delusion. I will get to it. <laughs> That's all right. I think my, the thing I'm genuinely curious about is I am actually curious how old Jonathan is in particular. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I think he's an adult. Is, Based off his website, he looks like an adult. So Maybe? I, I'm not 100% clear, especially because either it's just the acting or is that... I, I'm mostly going off of Heavenly Delusion because Maru does sound 
Okay, deeper. he is he is in he is old enough to have gone to college. Let's go with that. Okay, works for me. He's still still pretty young, but I, that works. He's for me. over the age of twenty. Let's go with that. I just wasn't sure if this was like a puberty thing or not. That's the part it, that, I, that could get tripped. So I think my biggest thing is knowing that John. I've heard Jonathan in exactly one other thing, and going back to this, he was definitely one of the bigger surprises to me in that, as you were saying, he does very much get across that childlike wonder and, like, carefree spirit while also almost making peace with the fact that he knows he doesn't have long. Mm -hmm. And it's very much that level of... He's enjoying the camaraderie with these two people that he has gotten much closer with over the course of a couple of days, but also just kind of having to face the reality that the journey could just be the journey and there's no real benefit or gain from the destination. It is the, the very much the, the thing they're going for, which is the big stand, stand by me influence is that is very <laughs> much it's. It is the journey. The journey is... It's not about exactly what the One Piece is. It's never going to be about what the One Piece is. It's always going to be the adventure that was had along the way. But there is going to... But they do get something out of treasure. it. They do get to the treasure. Though I do love the fact that it is... I think the, the synopsis of the movie very much goes into the fact that, like... People are blaming them for this. I thought it was like an act. Like, you would assume that would be like a, oh, the cops are coming by, the parents are suspecting them. No, it's the shit kids in their group chat that are saying, oh, it's those fucking freaks. They totally did it, didn't they? Yeah, like, they just kind of just ditched that. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way. I th I almost like that more in the strange sense that yeah. I, bu I buy the fact that a bunch of kids were like, oh, it's those fucking freaks, they totally did it. And then by the time, like, time passes, like, a week Everyone later... Everyone fucking forgets about it. Everybody forgets that nobody cares because it was funny five minutes ago, and now they're worried about, like, who's fucking Becky? <laughs> who's Please. smashing Becky? Who's... So who's, who's, please, Becky's not a Japanese name. Becky it's who, Kurosawa. It's, it's who's yucking Yukari. Who's yucking Yukari in the, uh, in the sports shed. <clears throat> that's, that's, that could be, that could be a light novel title, but I hate it. Yucking my childhood friend in the town in the middle of nowhere, the behind sports the sports shed. shed. In another what? world. <laughs> in another world, yes. You gotta make sure that it's in another world to sell. Otherwise them. it doesn't count. <laughs> wow, I am deviating immensely. But I do I do like the fact that the kids were just kind of being dicks in the group chat, and then they took it You personally. know, like actual teenagers. I believe that kids would just be dicks to them, which, all the way, just, just want to shout out the genius plan that is, alright, we're gonna make you look cool. Hang on. Give us a second. So they make him look like a suave Hollywood guy. <laughs> I actually do like the fact that they do the whole dress-up thing and commit to that. Just, just, just... Just it it's so absurd. Here's the that... thing, Toto fucking rocks it. Toto does rock it. Credit credit to him. Like he should borrow his sister's stuff more often. He's working it. But 
I like that. The real that, the real treasure is cracking your egg. You know what? Sure. You do it ironically, and then one day, uh-oh. But yes, I do love how the, that very aggressively silly moment is the first reveal that, like, Drop is sick. Because he's like, oh yeah, no, somebody somebody in the hospital taught me how to put on makeup. She was really good at it, too. And it's like, yeah. wait, you were in the hospital? And it's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. And I kind of love the casualness of it, but... Yeah, no, this like, this movie introduced you were in the hospital. Uh... Yeah. Don't worry about it, man. Things happen. But I really do... Like, this movie introduced me to Jonathan Leon, and I was especially impressed with, like, the child, like, whimsy, the naturalness he bounced off of the other two mm -hmm. characters, and genuine sincerity and emotional connection he has with the other characters. Mm -hmm. And speaking of uh, getting introduced to them because of this movie, I want to give a shout out to Nick Wolfhard, who, of my personal opinion, is my favorite performance of this movie, and Toto is my favorite character of the three. Yeah, he's he, Nick Wolfhard as Toto is a ton of fun. He is definitely, I think, kind of the, the real, um, I guess, like, I, I don't want to say he's like the scene stealer in a lot of sense. I, I think he gets, he is the most changed from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Yes. He is the most developed because it's very clear that when he's just visiting for the summer, everything is about how like he's living the cool Tokyo life and he's like the, he's the smart kid that got out of the boonies. So he's clearly going somewhere and he's doing everything right. And he's like, but he's I'm also miserable about it because he didn't get to pick his own path in life. He's going to be a doctor because his dad was a doctor. It's like, everybody told me this was the way to be happy, but also, like, I was the smartest kid. I was the kid that did well on everything. I left my best friend behind. I have nothing here. Nobody here knows me. The fact that I'm the smartest kid in some town in the middle of nowhere means jack shit. I am drowning here. And there's that stress of, like, I need to keep up these... I need to keep the book smarts. I need to keep 100%. If I lose even a second of this, I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to lose everything I've looked for. And it's basically just him coming to acceptance that... Take, mm -hmm. take, take a chance to go off the beaten path every now and then. Look at the stars. Sing a little song. Rub a can on some rocks for three hours until you finally get it open. <laughs> Fucking rave in the woods to to goddamn Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Which shout out to shout out to the the um the cast of the 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 cast of this singing their hearts out singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star like it's an EDM remix. They they sing it good. They really get into it. I I. They sing it with the level of, like, you can tell they are not professional singers, but they're singing with the right level, like, of energy and enthusiasm that they need to. And also, props to, like, the script, too. I didn't even know there were that many words in Twinkle Twinkle Little Star until this movie. Yeah, I was Thanks, like, wait Tom, a minute, please. this song goes a lot longer than I thought it did. Than sing. I freaking remember. And then, like, I think I, I think I responded back to Andrew's, like... 
Have you ever just gone out in the woods with your bros, raved a twinkle twinkle little star, and masturbated a can open? That's what you do with the boys. That's what cracking a cold one with the boys, the boys means. Is. I mean, we're just gonna fucking go out to the war, go out into the wood, drop your yank to chill, and start raving. Jesus, but like for sure, for sure. Um, I think to me, like Toto is the most relatable because I, I was like the kid that was the smart kid that tried not to deviate and from things, and that led to stress. I'm also going to not lie that you freak out as much as Toto does in an average situation. I I love you to death. You are very much the Toto of our friend group. Depends on the situation, but sometimes you just gotta be like, ah, fuck it, I'll burn this textbook and I'll deal with it tomorrow, whatever. And it is very much him coming to terms with that and bonding with Toto and rekindling his relationship with Roma again. Oh, and Nick, man. Nick, and Nick then- also just has a very funny delivery. You know what it is about Toto? Okay. You know what it is about Toto what? that gets me? I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go for Stand by Me. Actually, I'm gonna go going to go to a different non Kids Next Door related Cartoon Network show. Oh my god! Is is it Billy and Mandy? No, 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 what? No, (laughs) I don't. I don't know why. I think it's because I saw a clip the other day of. Okay, I'm gonna. This can get cut out. I saw a clip the other day of saying that the best Helsing and Alucard adaptation of all time is uh, the way they do it in The Grown Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Where the, the guy who's with Tanya, and it's like, Hey, Tanya, you want to see Dracula's dance? Lip and scrape. Lick and scrape. And scrape. You know what? Fuck it. Billy and Mandy is great. No, I'm trying to go for Ed and Eddie. I'm saying Toto is the double D. Oh my god, he fucking is double D. He's the double D. But none of them are, none of them are, none of them, none of them are Eddie. Like, I, none of them are, no. I think they're like a team of double Ds. No, okay. No, which, no, no. Which, no, no, no. Hang on. Hold it with me. Hold, You know if I get me. this wrong that Jet's gonna appear into my house? Like, omae wa shinderu? Bear with, bear with me. Bear with me. I mean, there's a bear drop, in the woods. Drop is Eddie. Eddie would fucking make a scheme that wouldn't if would make a scheme that involved his friends going to Iceland to figure something. Out. So does that mean Rome is Eddie Ed? You know what? I'm you know what? to say Ed, yes. You, Hang on. You know what? Ed would know. Ed would be able to sip the soil and determine there was water nearby. But Ed is also kind of like the quiet one who's not like particularly the brightest of the group. He's kind of still trying to figure out what it is, but he loves going along with his friends no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, Drop doesn't have Eddie's, like, selfishness, but he is also the one that proposes, okay, here's what we're gonna do to get back at those kids that are making fun of us. We're gonna dress up as bomb-ass babes and make you look as cool as it gets, and then we're gonna fucking hightail it out of it. Because he even does- He does the boop! To some guy, he does the nose boop while he's got the big balloon, so he's committed. He's committed to the bit. I also like how all the girls that are with him are like, oh, what about your fucking horny assholes? They're like, oh my god. Ugh. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, there's fucking weird, weird country kids. They don't care what's going on. They're just like, ooh, that's interesting. That's the first pair of semi-fake tits they've ever seen. Um. And if they make it out of the sticks... 
they'll probably see more. <laughs> which, I, which I, I did find out. Find out this is not the the location they're in is not a discrete specific location. They basically just kind of created a uh, boonies every location for this movie. This is not a specific uh, place in Japan. Gotcha. And then I I also really want to say I think I really love Nick's uh energy at the end of the movie where he realizes that his shitty handwriting wrote the wrong area code instead of calling Ireland they called Iceland. I thought that was very funny actually. And very he's like, I messed up by calling the wrong place and then he realizes, "Oh my god, I've been he's been looking for us." And, yeah. Like, I love the kind of big, ugly cry moments that this movie has. Oh, this movie has very good, big, ugly cry moments. Yeah, and it, I like I like when actors don't sound completely perfect in their in their stuff. Um, so. I, I think Nick, like, legitimately, he, he, he does a good job unwinding as Toto throughout the entirety of this, like, almost two-hour movie. And basically being a little more of a free spirit and, like, a friend. But he gets to also sound really dorky, really funny. Like, he's got some great reactions. Also, oh, all all like of them sound they're... fucking great when they're fucking bear sprayed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My hair's standing up on it. like, please go grab me. Like, Why did you bring hairspray right. to the woods? <laughs> Why did none of you... Balls. I love how they're so out of their depths. Why didn't you not think to br- Why did you bring your textbook and not a can opener, you fools? It's like, they're so out of their element, but they're surviving because they're in this together. You idiots, you fools, you dumb fucks. And then, yeah, so Jonathan and Nick were definitely the two I was introduced to because of this dub and because of this movie. I was very familiar with Adam MacArthur because I've seen both Jujutsu Kaisen and I've seen Shadow's House, where he plays very, very different characters compared to Roma. Roma is, I think, like the most down to earth character I've heard or I've heard Adam play yet, and he's great. Great, because like if like look, Yuji's his own like Yuji's his own thing. Everybody knows Yuji. Everybody loves him. But for anybody who's never watched Shadow's House before. Adam MacArthur plays Patrick and Ricky as the most punchable human child on the planet. Okay, no, it's... I think it's Patrick is the kind of quiet, awkward good boy, and it's Ricky who's the piece. Ricky is Eddie. Ricky is Eddie. He Rick, would make... like you, okay, like, when bad things happen to Ricky in season one of Shadow's House, because that's the season, I've recently rewatched it with a friend. When bad things happen to Ricky in Shadow's House, you're like, oh, good. <laughs> Ricky sucks. He's the he's the worst fucking friend in that group. Um, he no. looks like, he looks like if Dash from The Incredibles got into NFTs. No, he looks like if Dash from The Incredibles was raised by Yankees fans. Oh my god! Where did that come from? <laughs> like he has like listen, listen, man. Have you ever met like an aggressively like okay? I can say this because I was raised by New York Irish people. But Ricky from Shadow's House has all of the energy of a New York Irish person who thinks they're Italian. This is so specific, but I'm fascinated by the picture. You know what that is! You've seen that person before! You I live have. in a tri-state area! I have seen that person before. I know exactly- You know that person! They're That's a guy, like, okay, like, aggr- the aggressively 
uh, Italian New York Irish person is like a guy who wears gold chains and has a horrible, horrible addiction to being a combination of a Rangers, Mets, and Yankees fan. A Rangers, yet and fuck. Words, hard. They're probably a Jets fan. Anyway, Roma is none of those things. Roma Roma strikes me as being into the Buffalo Sabres. Roma is a good boy and a genuinely good kid. And I think it is very much in the same way that Toto is very much getting out of his mindset that he can live the life he wants to. It's that Roma can strive for more what than what he thinks he deserves. Yeah. Roma thinks that he shouldn't try and he should just live up to the things that his father's a farmer. His father's a weird farmer who, you know, named his kid after a type of tomato. Hey, you want to name this baby? Tomino's looking down going, nice. I mean, Tomino's basically tomato anyways. Ah, so no wonder they chose Minori to to farm tomatoes in the Gundam show. Um, Ah, that's a... (laughs) That's for another episode, but, um... Adam MacArthur. We're talking about Adam MacArthur, especially as Roma in particular. But, like, I think the thing that really... I think the moment that really kind of sells you in Roma as this, this person who is... If he put his mind to it, he could be an immensely creative, artistic person is when they ask him to name the spinach and he starts thinking about the world and how wide and brilliant it is. And when it's like, you see, it's because of like, this is the crowning achievement in spinach technology, which congrats, you grew fucking spinach. What do you want, a gold star? Um, I feel like it's- And he's just like, he has this moment of like, just this deep emotional thought moment and goes, the world tree of spinach. And his parents are like, the fuck? And like he's like, oh, shit, I'm going to my room. World um, tree. Ye- he say- literally says Yggdrasil. I-, I think it's cap. God, I think it's cabbage. Actually, I don't even remember. No, it's a sp- it's spinach! It's fucking spinach! <laughs> oh, I will I've die literally- on the hill. If it is not spinach, I will literally videotape myself eating an entire bowl of dry, raw spinach for this disclaimer. I think our editor for this episode said he was going to watch this movie soon, so I will have him live up to that. Anyways, so... He's going to eat this entire thing of raw spinach, like an entire bowl of raw spinach. But I think... But... Adam... You're wrong, you're eating a bowl of raw cabbage, boy. But Adam MacArthur is very much the narrator. He is the, uh... So the thing with Adam MacArthur as Roma is that he's very much plays him with this level of soft awkwardness... In that he's very unsure of himself. He's very unsure of what he's trying to do or what it is he's desiring. But the journey he goes on to find the drone with Drop and Toto is very much reignites that creative desire. That ability to take a picture, a flawed picture, and find beauty in that. Find beauty in the stars, find beauty in this weird little cove in the middle of nowhere, abandoned, that looks like it's at the end of the world. Like, the, I think the the way that the the movie metaphors it is really great. It's being that red ladybug in the sea of blue. Yes, I really like that a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. 
And, I, like, he was that for Tivoli without realizing it. And he kind of wants Tivoli to be that for him. But she, of course, you know, went I, out, of, out of the boonies in the extreme way. I, like, Ireland and New York is quite the world tour. Goddamn. Like, good for her, good for her. Maybe my analogy about Irish people who act Italian isn't that far off, since you know, in New York. <laughs> Shut the fuck. If you've lived in New York, you've met those people. I, live, I should know, I'm related to them. I lived in northern New Jersey, and I've met those people. I know exactly what you're talking this about. This is my uncle. This is some of my uncles and cousins. That's why I'm making fun of them. But I think, like, I really am impressed with- The people with who Patreon in my family is my parents. But, no, I'm really impressed with Adam in particular, because this is a much more, like, low-key, quiet performance that gradually, like, opens up, but also has a lot of depth, a lot of comedy, and, like, a lot of tenderness and heart that he really gives to Roma, and... I, I think I'm ready to talk about the phone booth now, because that, honestly... That yeah! Fu that fucked me up. That fucked me up. Mm -hmm. Real good when I first watched it. So basically, the whole thing with Tivoli is that, like, she is in Ireland already, and then uh, uh, Toto is basically like, okay, do it. Just fucking do Just it, man. Just call her, you pussy. I, I want to be here, and I want to witness my boy, like, highlight his years as he turns 15 to do this thing that he to talk to a girl i want him to talk to a girl just do you know just just pour one out with the broskis getting him to talk to the girl meanwhile if you've ever been a 15 an actual 15 year old girl in america we're actually all in the corner of the high school punching each other on our boobs sounds about right but yeah, it I is mean, we had titty thursday but it is very much just the fact that, like, they call the number, he gets the area code wrong, and he calls the- He gets the country code wrong. He gets like, the- if you've, if you've never, ever called internationally, each country has its own code that you would have to call that code first, then put the number in. Like, and of course, America's number one. Uh, so he, it, it Toto, in true future doctor passion, <laughs> pure future doctor passion- uh, traction does write it shittily. So it calls this weird phone booth in this gorgeous little golden waterfall area in Iceland. Like, and then, this is this is the point of the movie that will either make or break you. <laughs> I, I can buy this being a break, but for me, it really worked. It really worked a lot. I mean, I shouldn't be, like, I think the only reason it doesn't work for me is because I feel like getting to that moment, like, th this is more of the thing, it's, uh, and I don't want to spoil Universe because Universe has a very similar moment to this, and it is, it is genuinely a moment when I first watched A Place Further Than the Universe, I was inconsolable for that scene. And if you've seen A Place Further Than the Universe, you know, you know exactly what we're talking about. You know. But I feel like that was built up to better than this. Where I, you've, you've at this point have, because it happens in like the 11th episode out of 12, I think. Yes. Um, 13, where, actually. Okay, so it's, it's, it's literally like the second to last episode where this happens. Yes. And, but this entire time you have spent it with the four main girls on it, the people on the boat, but the... The thing that's driving the mystery behind this and, like, what this is 
is so much of an underlying thing that has been there for all this time, and you've had, because a 12-episode show is longer than a movie, you've had all of this time to, like, build up to this moment that I think it works better. Here's my question to you. Yeah. Removing the possibility that this ever could have been a TV series, do you think this moment could still work for you or could have still worked for you in other ways? Yeah, if, like, I'll be real with you, part of it is the suspension of belief that there is just a working phone booth out in the middle of this, like, very scenic point in Iceland where there is literally no other human communication. That's fair. Like, I think it's because it's, it's, the thing that happens in the universe is done with a piece of technology that I could believe it would still work. This is the the only thing that's really kind of messing with me is like the 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 actual suspension the of disbelief. Okay. Yeah, the, the, yeah. It's it's a really great touchy moment. It's beautifully animated. It's so well acted by and I Nick think it's a neat twist. Adam. And it's a very it, it's it's a twist that I think you can you can see coming if you've been paying attention to how Drop speaks about things and Drop's insistence on doing certain things. He keeps dropping it, hints. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it it's just one of those, like, I think in the, like, the other thing, too, I, I really don't, like, the other issue I have is I feel it rushes, like, straight into it after he dies. And there's, like, no dialogue. It's just a montage with this really pretty song over it of them getting and finding this phone booth. And instead of having them kind of, like, have, like, I don't just know. There's a little technical things, but we're here to talk about the acting. Um, and Nick and, and, and Adam fucking nail it. hundred percent. But, like, yeah. Just the way that, I also will compliment that the movie gives them two completely different fucking priorities in that phone booth. Where, where, where Roma finds the, the co, the, the actual factual Coca-Cola, uh, label is, written written with I want my my treasure is two friends to find friends who will who, watch me be fifteen before watch my final journey yeah and then and then to and, and Toto is seeing the the, the area he's like oh I fucked I'm the code s- I'm such a fucking idiot bro and then he's like his brother's like dude asshole look at this and they're like oh my god I I just thought that was. I think I'm willing to be, to suspend the disbelief, because I think it just genuinely was touching and, like, character arc fulfilling enough for me that I'm like, fuck it, you know what, that that landed. But I can buy it being something that doesn't land for somebody for the similar reasons we just discussed. But, all in all... Adam, Nick, and Jonathan, they are, it is not an exaggeration to say this movie would make or break on the entirety and believability of their connection as a gang of bros. Mm-hmm. And all three of them, as well as, like, the team at NYAV Post, Laura's team, absolutely fucking nailed that feeling. Which I'm willing to move into the final thoughts about this. I think this is a really strong dub because of the fact 
that the chemistry that the the team that worked on a place further than the universe and the team that worked mm-hmm. on this are at their strength at good characters, good travel, mm-hmm. and also just a lot of genuine emotional heart and pathos. Let them do another fucking show. Honestly, I'm okay with just whatever they uh, fucking do. Movie, show, whatever. Yeah, movie, just just, just let them do more things, Madhouse. Madhouse does at least seem very creator-supportive like now in the past couple of years. Fucking Sunny Boy happened. Oh my god, if you've never watched Sunny Boy, you're, not, you're, you're missing out, man. But, um, yeah, I, I walked away from this one that I was really excited i i think i can agree that this is not it's not as good if not better than a place further than the universe oh yeah no no it's unfortunately is not as good as that but it's still really good and it's better than a lot of i i think it is i will agree that because of what they they do work with in a two-hour movie compared to a 13 episode tv show it does lose stuff but I am going to applaud that what they were able to do in the allotted format and timeline. Oh, I yeah. think they ex- executed it pretty spectacularly. Yeah, no, like, the, the, if this movie, like, 100% clicks for you, it's going to 100% click for you. Um, I just had a couple of things that were just like, this is really good, but it, 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 it's... Sometimes your, your brain, if you're a critical person, just doesn't always shut up and enjoy things, unfortunately. And, uh... I don't know, just there was a little bit too much, I guess, I, I, I Con- guess... Convenience? Mystical coincidence, I'm going to call it. Mis- okay, I could buy that, yeah. Like, but- there was there was kind of a supernatural-ish element about the phone booth for me that I felt like didn't need to be in there. I, 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 I think that's fair, because the actual reality is, the mysticism is that nobody co- was on the other line, or there's the assumption that it was... Like, the implication that it was dropped from the other world on the other line. But if it was an actual phone, it would be somebody from the fucking Marriott telling you you want a sweepstakes or some bullshit like that. Yeah, right. Like, like, it's obviously clear that the phone booth is real and that Drop really did listen to them in the past. But also, it's just like... There's a little bit too much mystical convenience for me on the other end. Um, I guess to just kind of start wrapping this up in final thoughts... Um... I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I liked the dub a lot. I thought it was a really good dub, unfortunately. I don't think it hit as high as some of NYAV Post's other dubs did, but I think that's a combination of the material and just some of those other other dubs that they've done having a lot of technical bells and whistles to them because they're they're going for different things and unfortunately a lot of anime fans will just see this and just see like oh three kids running through the woods this is stupid um this isn't peak fiction oh my god um um where's oh i have my own feelings towards that but um but i liked a lot of the main cast performance i think all three of the main actors are great and specifically i don't want to specifically say this about adam because adam's gotten a lot of other work across things. I would really like to see Nick and Jonathan get put into more things and be more mainstream. I know Jonathan's the one of the two leads in Heavenly Delusion. And as much as that is is very much an underground niche popular thing, uh, a lot of people are really dumb and Hulu is stupid. Yes, you have to um, literally type in Tengoku Daimakio to find it. 
And just uh, and 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 just Hulu's inconsistency at putting the dub up at a consistent rate to other countries, and you know, just being fucking Hulu. Shout out to um, Ruben Lack in particular. If I ever see you, you, sir, you need a fucking drink or a twelve pack. Like, listen, if you ever meet any any member of Dub Talk, Ruben Lack, uh. Or this goes to any actor. If you ever run into us at a con and we're out, like, at a bar or something, uh... Thank you, and we're sorry. Yeah, thank... One, thank you, and we're sorry. And two, uh... You will get a complimentary beverage on us for the pain and suffering of having to listen to us make dick jokes. That Um, we... We promise that there is criticism somewhere in the shaft. (laughs) There is a good nugget... There is a good nugget of critical analysis and thorough commentary about the performance. And the balls for it. You just got. You just got to work the shaft. I'm so sorry. Um, but like you got to wait for the balls to drop. (laughs) Stop, Andrew! Stop! You're doing it to yourself. You're doing it to yourself. Anyway, anyway, while this horny Pikachu goes off on um. I really, I, again, this was, I, I will say this too, it's also a really easy watch. Like, this is just something that you could just listen to and ease yourself into, and there's not a big thing. Uh, I'm also going to say this, uh, if you're one of those people who needs just, like, anime on in the background to to do your shit to, and you want to stop contributing to Katakawa's problem of, uh, we've got a spay Katakawa, by the way, who also produced this movie, um, from making so many goddamn isekai, Please put this movie on as background noise for yourself. It's very, it's Please. it's a gorgeously animated, animated movie. film. The, the like, art will, is great. It it looks and moves great. It's all it's very sound, like the sound mixing also be very great on this movie. Uh, but I don't. I'll be real with you. Like if there's something wrong with the mixing at NYAV post, an NYAV post dub, hell is officially frozen over. Um, mm. I'll just say that. It, um, it, it, this production sounds great, and it, it shows. <laughs> Uh, well, your final thoughts, horny Pikachu? Uh, my my thorny... I almost said my thorny thoughts, Christ. You almost said my horny thoughts. They're catching you, man. They are. It's basically just what I was saying earlier. This is a really strong dub. This is a really great core team. Like, Nick, John, and Adam all absolutely killed it. Laura and her team should be proud of themselves. This absolutely nailed exactly what this dub needed to be. I really enjoyed this movie a lot. It hit me hard. It was great to see uh, this team get to do another project after the absolutely immaculate success that was A Place Further Than the Universe. (laughs) I hope they continue to work on more things. If it's a movie, if it's a TV show, they should absolutely do original things. Did you know that, like... This director started, like, did before A Place Further Than the Universe, and this did No Game, No Life? Yes, because there's a No Game, No Life poster at A Place Further Than the Universe. I forgot about that. Wow. That's funny. But no, like, goddamn, let that, wo- let that woman cook. Goddamn, let that woman cook. I look forward to whatever the hell else... She plans to take us on her whirlwind tour. Yo, I want to see her. Oh, real talk. Uh, if she wants to do a show that's warm, uh, uh, go to a place that's warm and sunny, I would love to see her do, like, 
a movie about people going to, like, Mexico or South America. Especially because, like, if you live in America, you would think that, the like, the second you cross the border into Mexico, the sky turns into a sepia tone. I saw what that looked like a few weeks ago. That was wild. Who the fuck is blazing it in Canada? Oh, Christ. But, no, for sure, this was a really solid movie. Worked for me a lot. Dub was very good, and I... Let Atsuko Ishizuka fucking cook. That is my takeaway from this. And, yeah, uh, if you would like to watch this movie, you can pick up the Blu-ray and DVD combo. It is relatively cheap. I think I picked it up at a Walmart for, like, maybe under 20 bucks. Yeah, same. As far as I am aware, at the time of this recording, it is still not streaming. It wouldn't surprise me if it winds up on, like, a Hulu or a Netflix in the near future. But right now, it is physical only. <laughs> so that's the only barrier to entry. But this is... This is a pretty good 20 bucks for... Uh, bang for your buck, either way. Highly recommend it. So... If you would like to follow us, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. If you would like to listen to our show, you can find us over on YouTube at Dub Talk Podcast. You can also to listen to audio versions of this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Podbean. If you would like to support us, we have a Patreon where you could support us financially and help us out. Like these wonderful people, including Megan's mom and dad. Sorry, parents, for saying awful, horrible things. Michelle Travis, Victor May Borda, Anthony Brown, Carly Lestical, Julia W., Quinoa Soup, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Thank you all, you're wonderful people. Thank you for continuing to support the show. We love and appreciate everything you do. My name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me over on Twitter at Mangaman9000 where I also do another anime podcast on Surreal Resolution called Podcast ONA, where we talk about the latest in anime news alongside my fellow Dub Talk co-host, Jet. Megan, would you like to tell the people where to find you? You can find me at Quinero2 on Twitter. I uh, mostly shitpost on the regular, and every so often you can find me roaming uh, the wilds of Florida doing Florida things. There are Florida things to be done. Indeed. Yeah, it's mostly me taking care of the dog. Mm. And with that, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for continuing to tune in to our seventh Summer at the Movies. I believe next week it's going to be our friends Amon and Lack taking on a very unique city, from my understanding. But thank you all for watching. Thank you for watching us. Thank you, Otaku on, and make sure to twinkle twinkle little star and crack a cold one open with the boys in the middle of the night while you're lost in the fucking woods. It sounds like a life-changing experience, but also a trippy one. Bye! Hey Andrew, you wanna go drop some uh, drop some Yggdrasil and eat the popcorn in the machine? Oh fuck yeah dude, that sounds dope. See ya. And remember, 420, please, it legalize it. <laughs> Peace.